Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Welcome to Pantsuit Politics, where a woman from the right and a woman from the left accessorize the news with a fresh perspective. I'm Beth Silvers. And I'm Sarah Stewart-Holland. We are friends from college who share a lifelong passion for politics, and we decided to turn that into a podcast, and we named it Pantsuit Politics, and this is our premiere episode. We're really excited to be doing this. We've had some interesting discussions online. I feel like um, we are very much opposite ends of the political spectrum, but we can always find a way to have interesting conversation about the news of the day. So hopefully you'll join us for many episodes like this one where we try to find the middle on issues. There's a lot more common ground than people think there is. I think that's right. And I think people are interested in finding that ground instead of just you know, continuing to clash. Absolutely. This podcast was born after uh, Beth wrote a blog on my blog, Bluegrass Redhead, called Nuance, calling for nuance and political discussion. We had a very positive reaction, and we thought, hmm, how can we take this a little bit further? And here we are, Pantsuit Politics. Yes, it seemed we were on to something, so we hope we were right. Exactly. So we decided to um, start each episode with what we're going to call the pearls, 
we where we pick a piece of news that we think deserves attention. And since we're both in Kentucky today, um, on election day was the obvious pick for the news story today: the governor Kentucky governor's race between uh, Matt Bevan and Jack Conway. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, it seems that Bevan is at the time of our recording down a little bit in the polls and uh, the GOP is throwing a lot of money into the state to try to pull this one out, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Jack Conway is, I I think, finally going to get picked for the dance after a, you know, an unfortunate run against Mitch McConnell. And then I always felt bad for him because I felt like the Allison Mitch face-off got so much more news and attention and she was kind of the darling of that race, even though she didn't win. Um, I feel like he got the same attention. So I'm glad that he um, seems to have finally gotten picked. Well, it's not over yet, but I'm, I'm, I was actually at a rally today for him in Paducah and somebody said, Hey gov. And he said, don't call me that. (laughs) It's not (laughs) over yet. Yeah. And on the Republican side, this has been a weird one. Um, I think, it is well, I, def- I, I did not think Matt Bevan was going to win the primary. I thought Comer was going to win the primary. I thought Comer was going to win the primary, too. I think a lot of the state thought Comer mm-hmm. was going to win the primary. And, and things just got really strange in the primary race. And here we are with Matt Bevan, who is a Tea Party conservative, took some really strong conservative positions. Just, you know, I, I would call them maybe fringe positions in a lot of mm-hmm. ways during the primary. And I think that, you know, this might be another lesson in don't win the primary at the expense of the general. Yeah. And I mean, I think he's just, he just is an interesting guy. I mean, like the way he, he was angry in the primary debates, calling people liars. Now he's angry in the main debate, calling Jack Conway liar. I mean, he does not hesitate to really Call people liars is what I've noticed. This is the trend I've noticed among his yeah. debate performances. He pulls that out pretty fast. You're a liar. I think Matt Bevan is a particularly aggressive guy, he and is. Jack Conway a particularly, um, I don't know, narcissistic guy or yeah. something. I'm sure that he was well, we'll be kind. much we'll more upset polished. about Allison than you. We'll say polished. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't find him to be a very appealing candidate. I mean, I, I thought that um, Rand Paul had his lunch a couple of times when they when they faced off, but it's. I don't know. It's it's an interesting race, and and I think one where a lot of Kentuckians are going to sit back and think we got to have more candidates the yeah. next cycle. Yeah, I think that's exactly. Right. I think a lot of Kentuckians are going to sit back. I think you're going to see incredibly low voter turnout. I mean, they already have among the absentee ballots, so which is such a shame because it's a really important time for the state. I mean, we've got a fiscal crisis on our hands. Mm-hmm. This is not one to sit home on, but but I do think people are generally dissatisfied with these two candidates. Well, Election Day is a good day to host a podcast and a good day to vote. So if you're listening to this and you haven't voted yet, please go vote. That's right. Don't don't sit it out even if you don't like the choices. That's exactly right. And we have another election coming up, and we'll talk about that in our next segment, Beth. Yes. All right, I think we've tackled the top stories. Now we're moving on to the segment we call The Suit, where we put the pieces together of an issue or an interview or a topic that's important to both of us for a more wearable outcome. We like to think we are covering a lot of different perspectives since both of us are coming from different sides of the political spectrum. And really, though, did we have a choice, Beth? 
if we're calling our podcast Pantsuit Politics, if we I mean, didn't spend our first segment on the one and only Hillary Rodham Clinton. We did not have a choice. We didn't have I mean, a choice. What an inspiration. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Um, so, full disclosure, I worked for Hillary Clinton's last presidential primary bid in 2007. Um, I love her. I support her. And I am not, was not being fully honest with myself about how much um, emotion I still had attached to her until I started getting um, some Bernie bros in my life telling me <laughs> how foolish I was to support Hillary Clinton. And I'm going to be honest with you, I about lost it. I almost lost it. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I think that's good. You should only work for people that you believe in on that level. That's right? true. Well, and what, what really upsets me is that what, and this is a discussion I think um, for us to have about whether you can support a female candidate primarily. And I'm going to say primarily because she is female. Yeah, it's a really tough question and one that is coming to fruition for me around Carly Fiorina. Mm -hmm. You know, um, is it, do I look at her as objectively as I look at the other candidates or do I say, well, here is a woman who, um, unlike Sarah Palin, I think has a real grasp of the issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so I might not agree with her on everything, but, but do I say, yeah, I, I would like to see a woman in the white house. And so this is where my vote goes. Right. I mean, I should say that I, would support Hillary Clinton even if she were a man. But I, I mean, there's a part of me that thinks, I don't know if you can ever really pull the gender out and assess it like that, truthfully. I think that the, our perceptions of gender, our perception of female candidates, we bring our own perspective on gender. We, I mean, our societal experiences as women and um, our experience, societal experiences with women in leadership, I just don't think anybody can say... I'd vote for her if she was a man or I wouldn't vote for her if she was a man. I mean, I just, and that's what infuriates me is these discussions when I say that and, peop and people, <clears throat> men, act like I'm being crazy. Oh, no. Well, that's, I mean, it'd be nice to have a woman president. Oh, yeah, I bet you think it would be nice. You don't care. Be honest. You don't care. You know, like it doesn't matter to you on the level that it matters to me because you know what it's like to see somebody in the White House that looks like you. So to just blow it off, oh, it infuriates me. It's certainly disingenuous, too, because you see in the coverage, I mean, here we have two women who, while they're both women, um, they get a lot of criticism for not succumbing to traditional, like, gender norms of behavior, right? Like, mm -hmm. we don't see much about, um, I don't know, Marco Rubio's warmth, right? <laughs> um, or, or Bernie Sanders' sense of humor. I mean, right. there, there are so many comments about the personalities Although of these two women. we do hear a lot about Donald Trump's hair in full We disclosure. do. That in is fairness. true. That is fairness. true. And Rand Paul's wardrobe choices. That's true. But I think that there's a really great book that you and I have talked about in the past called Big Girls Don't Cry, which is um, it's by a woman, Rebecca Traster, Trader, I forgot her last name, but she's the Slate's female political reporter, or was at one time. She actually just wrote a fantastic article called I'm a Hot Mess for Hillary, and it's it really does a great job of kind of talking about the emotions tied up with her candidacy as a woman. And um, I, this her book does a really great job of talking about um, not only kind of how these issues came to a head last time with Hillary and Sarah, but how you had all these other women in issue in positions of power and how that led to the discussion. Like, 
you know, Katie Couric could look at Sarah Palin and say, no, really, what kind of, what papers do you read in a way that, you know, a male anchor couldn't because, and, and tried and failed because they seemed like jerks. And because she was a woman and because she was the first female anchor, she could say, hey, no, no, seriously, <laughs> what papers do you read? Yeah, and, and it, I don't know how to feel about that. Like, part of what concerns me as a rationale for Carly Fiorina's candidacy is this idea that she can take on Hillary in a way that men can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's true. I think the Katie Couric example is a very good one. Yep. Um, is that a reason to have someone run for president? Oof. I mean, because... Well, I think you... No, I think how you take the candidate you're facing is, absolutely, this is politics. You know what I mean? Like, we're not writing a novel of how we wish the world was. This is politics, and you have to deal with your candidate if you want to win. Boy, I agree, but I sure wish that we were at a place where we thought about actually governing, not just winning the right to govern. You know, it, it seems to me that that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. This is all about the horse race, and and I think, you know, we forget that we're talking about the leader of the free world for four years after this is over. Tom Brokaw the other day said on Morning Joe, I think, that he he recommends that voters stop, close their eyes, picture a moment of crisis, who do you want in the Oval Office? Mm -hmm. And that is a very different question than, can I attack Hillary Clinton more effectively than my peers? And I'm not saying this is a criticism of Carly. There are a lot of things I like about Carly. Um, I just wish that that point were de-emphasized. But but you're right. I mean, maybe I'm living in the world as it should be. But listen, though, here's the truth. The truth is... Anyone, because the because of the horse race, because the act of running for president is so intense and so and requires so much of an individual. If you win, by the time you get there, there's a part of me that thinks you'll be able to handle it. Will I agree with your values? Will I like the decisions you make? Maybe not, depending on who wins. I didn't, I didn't like George Bush's values. But did I think that he was capable of making the decisions? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I think by the time you survive that process and you win, because, because of this process that we feel also disenchanted with, it's, it's hard, yeah, and it's dirty. And, but it also, right, it, it's, it's trial by fire. I mean, if you can get through that, you probably can't handle being president. Well, I think that that's, a cert- that's certainly a lesson that you can take about both Hillary Clinton and Carly Fiorina. Yeah. You know, they've both been through a lot and seem to have been made stronger by it. Um, unlike, I think, some other men in the spotlight right yeah. now. You know, I, I think Barack Obama had a lot of his sort of emotional energy spent through mm-hmm. these horse races. I yep. mean, he, he seemed much less charged as a president to me than as a candidate. And I can understand why. I mean, I say that with compassion. Yeah. You look at Jeb Bush right now, who seems to just be... Um, depleted by this process. I don't you know, think he, his heart's in it. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, yeah. he, he said as much this weekend when he said, there are a lot of cool things I could be doing with my life, you know, other than being insulted by people like Donald Trump and, and hoping to insult them back. And, you know, while I can completely have empathy for that sentiment, boy, that's, that's not what you want in your presidential candidates. So, well, and I think that what happens is, you know, people also bust on this process because of the caucuses and the emphasis on some states over others. But I think that truthfully is a good thing because they have to go out and be human beings and look other human beings in the face 
which is another type of trial that I believe in and I think should happen before you can become president of the United States. I think that's, honestly, I tell people I think that's what happened to Rudy Giuliani. Back in the day, I think he went to Florida and they all met him and they're like, oh, never mind. No, mm -mm. (laughs) that's a a hard pass on this guy. And I think, you know, I think that's, it's a good thing. And I think by the time you they get through the primaries and you have a candidate, like I said, will I always agree with their values or the decisions they make? No. But do I think they're qualified to make those decisions? Yeah, I do. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy.
Well, so on this human interaction point then, I mean, let's talk about the authenticity question with Hillary. Would First of all, would we be having this conversation if she weren't a woman? No, I don't think we would. Absolutely not. She doesn't fit people's version of female authenticity. That's the problem. It's not that she's authentic, not authentic. She is. She's an incredibly warm person. And she, but her per, people's perceptions and the way the media portray her and the way the media thinks, the, the issues the media emphasizes are distinctly gendered. And that's the other thing in that book. They talk about not just Katie Couric, but Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and how there were, you had these first female writers who in that brilliant little skit were able to capture the different forms of sexist perceptions and how they affected, you know, when, when they're saying stop calling, when Tina Fey is Sarah Palin, she says, stop calling me hot. And Amy Poehler's Hillary Clinton, she says, stop saying I have cankles. You know, it's just... It's all different sides of the same coin, and it hurts, you know, it hurts all women candidates, either because they're, you know, hot and too female or, quote-unquote, inauthentic and cold and not female enough. Yeah, I think authenticity might be a different question than the warmth question, though. I mean, I I do, um, so, so... it would have been several years ago a tough proposition for me if Hillary Clinton had been the Democratic nominee um, because I have such respect for her. I think she has such a great intellect. I don't agree with her on anything, right? <laughs> but that but that pull as a woman of I would like a female president, and she does seem so competent to me. Yeah. You, know? you know, I call her the Girl Scout because she's just like – no, like just she's just a worker bee, man. Like she just competent. I think is most most directly captures her like work ethic and personality. So so that would have been a tough race. That has withered for me because it does seem at this point like she is so intent on winning this office that everything is a calculation. Hmm. So I can handle her not being warm, but. But the calculatedness of it, the this seeming kind of win at all costs, and not that I think she's done anything illegal. You know, I think this whole Benghazi thing is um, a waste of resources and also insulting to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not accusing her of wrongdoing, but it does um, it does change my trust level around her. But it I think when to you're me talking, like she's just trying to win. When people say though you're just trying to win, I mean. That, that to me speaks about women in leadership and women in ambition and our discomfort with that. And, and women too. Women have, I mean, those studies where it's Howard versus Heidi and people say Heidi is abrasive and Howard is a good leader. Right. Women fill those out too. Right. No, women, that's right. You know what I mean? Like women in some ways women dis- are worse to ourselves. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I mean, right. women have that discomfort. And I think a lot of it is because either you put yourself out there as an ambitioned woman and got hurt and so you're reacting to that i mean i think i I think it's so impossible to speak to hillary clinton and her ambition without bringing your own issues to the table male or female i really really do i think that what really upsets me is the whole like she'll change her tune and then she gets beat down for changing her tune on gay marriage which fyi every single democrat has done in the well, last... and a lot of Republicans. Yes, I mean, yes. come on. The whole country has done that. Yes, the whole country changed their minds in the last 10 years. Everybody did. So to beat her up and say she just did that because she wanted to win, or she's just a human being and shifted on the issue like we have as a country, I mean, nobody beat Barack Obama for changing his tune about it. You know, I just, it's so upsetting to me when people 
I don't think that she wants to win at all costs. I think she wants to win and be president for a host of complicated reasons, just like any man would. And so I, maybe this is about language because mm-hmm. we we talk about men doing the same thing, right? But we use flip flop, which maybe sounds yep. a little bit less uh, damning than inauthentic. But I am just as upset with that term as any. These are human beings. Don't you want them to change their mind if they think they're wrong? Like I want I, them to do that if they think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to do it because of a poll. Yeah, but I think that. I mean, if you see a poll that. I think a poll can change your mind and make you feel wrong just as much as anything else can, right? If you represent a constituency and then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, they really feel differently about this. Maybe I should reevaluate my perspective. I mean, I, to me, I just, I think that this, I'm the, I'm literally the only person in the country that feels that we're too hard on politicians, <laughs> but I do. I think that if you want, if, if you objectively think, you know, politicians are too ambitious, female, male, whatever, and you want better candidates, then stop talking about them like they're psychopaths and monsters. You know, well, like, I completely agree with that. I mean, who on earth wants to do this at right. this point? I don't want to run for like city council at this point because we are so nasty to anyone who serves. And I think we don't have the attention span for the conversation that you were just suggesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a politician came out and said, look, the overwhelming majority of my constituents support the Keystone Pipeline, right? Even though it personally concerns me um, to to build this infrastructure and and our dependence on oil concerns me, all of those things deeply bother me on a personal level, but I view myself as a representative of the people, so I'm going with what the people want. That soundbite does not make the news. No. Absolutely and, not. And and I think that the coverage of these politicians, and I'm, I'm not trying to blame the media because I think that's a whole other conversation, but I think it's a reflection on our collective attention span. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to be so hard for her any fem- and any female candidate is these discussions about our perception of gender and leadership and women and ambition are not soundbite friendly. But we are going to have to have them. And, you know, people can't, you know, and there's just so much emotion. I have emotion tied up with her as a candidate. Men who are opposed to her, there's a lot of emotion, you know. It's either, well, actually, I'm angry either. I almost respect more the men who are like, I just hate her, than the men who act like they're the rational ones who can just see why she's not a good president and I'm just this irrational woman who supports her because she's a female. That actually upsets me probably more than the people who are like, I just hate her. Fine, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. And So I struggle with Carly and, and I think they're they're not equal, right? I mean, right. Hillary's been in the public arena. In, in some ways, they are exact opposites mm-hmm. in terms of resume and experience. So maybe that's why I'm not as tied up into Carly um, even though she is a woman, I, I do really like her, and she is kind of among the people that I would consider casting a vote for. Um, but I don't have that visceral, I must support her sense. And, and I don't think that men react quite as strongly to her as they do to Hillary Clinton. There is something about Hillary Clinton, and maybe it's because her marriage has been so on display. So Hillary Clinton as a woman is. Um, depending on your perspective, I guess, a more or less complete portrait of a woman because we've seen so much of her life. I don't know. And I think that's it. I think that there is, 
you know, she has lived so much of her, I mean, pretty much her entire adult life has been in the public eye on some, on some level, not the national public eye, but she wasn't, they weren't that old when they went to the White House. No. Um, and I think that she, because, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, you know, if you, if she, she would be Elizabeth Warren if she'd ran instead of him running when they first came on the scene, right? She was pretty radical. She was very liberal and very radical. And so because she's lived this life publicly and been pushed to the center because of the fact that she's a woman, because of the fact that she was a political spouse, and now she's getting beat up for it. And it just, you know, it's just so upsetting to me that what fact that she is now, after, you know, serving her time and... It sounds like prison, but I guess politics can feel like prison. Um, you know, d- doing the, the first lady thing, backing off health care reform because nobody wanted a first lady pushing that hard on a liberal or truly progressive agenda. And now she's not progressive enough. Like, are you kidding me? Well, and I, I think politically, you know, she probably would end up in the center on most issues. Like the idea that Hillary Clinton is some death knell for conservatism in American politics is totally disingenuous mm-hmm. too, right? I think her foreign policy will be exactly the same foreign policy we had under President Obama yep. and under President Bush, mm-hmm. frankly. You know, we have we have not had a radical shift in foreign policy, and I'm not sure that one is truly possible yeah. um, at this point. So, um, So I don't buy... The conservative attack that she's too liberal, or the liberal attack that she's, she's um, too, too conservative. conservative. No, I think exactly. she's right in the. I think she is right in the center on things. She just seems to really polarize people, and and maybe it is because she's a woman, and maybe if Carly Fiorina rises in the polls and eventually were to emerge as the nominee, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it did, you know, maybe she would have the same kind of polarizing effect. We. Just I mean, don't Sarah Palin yet. did, and she was new on the scene. That's true. That's true. Although I think with Sarah Palin, there was a lot to talk about um, in terms of qualification. And and I guess that there are some of those questions about Carly Fiorina, but you cannot listen to her today and say she has not done her homework. She does not know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. She does. You can disagree, but she knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said that you know the conversation about gender and politics is one that we're going to have to have. My question is, are we? Like, did we have that conversation about race and politics? I'm not sure that we did. I mean, I think that Barack Obama's presidency is is an essential element of why we are talking about race. I feel like in a new way since my lifetime. I'm not that old, but I feel like we are talking about race in a real way. And I think a lot of it is because that conversation started when we elected a back president and we had to look at these issues again in a fresh way. And I'm not saying we're getting any, I think we are getting where actually I'm comfortable saying, I think we're getting somewhere. I think that, you know, I hear things and I read things and there are discussions being had about race that weren't being had 10, 15 years ago. And I think because of Hillary Clinton's candidacy and if Carly Farina is the candidate and that that will push a conversation that I'm already seeing about feminism and gender even further. I think that conversation, I don't think they're starting it, but I think it's already started. I feel like, you know, since I was a women's studies uh, minor way back in college, and I felt like any conversation about feminism, like, only happened within my dorm way, my dorm hallways as, like, other women, you know, women's studies minors. And now I feel like that's a conversation I hear lots of people having 
all the time. I think that, truthfully, I think the internet's probably a huge part of both of those conversations because it's the great equalizer and people and the media does not control the conversation in the way that it used to. And so you have, you know, conversations happening on Facebook that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. And you have conversations, you know, websites like Jezebel and websites that can really push agendas in a way that wasn't possible, even in the 2007, you know, primary. So I think that, Yes, I do think that conversation's happening. I think it's going to continue to happen. Um, her candidacy will only further it. And particularly I, particularly around gender, I feel like that, that conversation has started and is going to continue to happen. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. 
It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. So do you think that we're going to hear then just an onslaught of discussion about women's issues in the general election? I, I have to say that like, I'm kind of exhausted with the idea of women's issues as though these issues aren't just human issues. How do you know that's what Hillary said? You know, that's her famous quote. Yeah. And, you know, women's rights are human rights. (laughs) They are. (laughs) It's true. But I mean, I, I think, you know, this this general election could really devolve women's rights in a way if we get too caught up in those types of things. I'm an I'm an eternal optimist. I think any conversation is good. I think any time. Even if it's just a, a story that just popped up on my newsfeed that Ben Carson said women seeking abortions are tantamount to slave owners. Hmm. Okay. I can go with that. You know, he is he is one for hyperbole. That's, he does. He likes his slaves energy and level Nazis. emerges around he really hyperbole. Does. He likes slaves and Nazis. Let's keep keep going with that. So I mean, I, but I think even every time this comes up is, I think any discussion is good. Honestly, I like your optimism about that. I'm I'm a little bit concerned that. Um, that we set ourselves back if we allow the conversation to be completely dominated by Planned Parenthood funding. Um, that That's another problem I have with the way the Fiorina campaign is running right, right yeah. now. Why make that your central issue? Yeah, don't do that. Because she had a moment in the debate. She ran with it. That's fine, but she had moments around foreign policy I think you're that I think were much, much more, more powerful. Like perspective and logic to campaign strategy than it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame that is. I mean, if it's all about the horse race, then let's run well. Yeah, I, I think know. it's like darts at the wall. That's stuck. Let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would love to see more, more. I mean, these are two women who could really elevate the foreign policy discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, let's have that conversation. That's as much a women's issue. And they will. Or I mean, not. I think that there are too, far too many journalists who take themselves far too seriously to ha- these. These conversations will not be neglected over the course of the race. I hope you're right. And I hope that we pay attention to them. You know, it's so easy for people to pop on Facebook and have some kind of moment themselves about abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love for them to pay as much attention to, you know, the refugee crisis in Europe. Right. Okay. Off soapbox, stepping down. <laughs> well, I can promise you as we wrap up this segment that this will not be the last time we discuss Hillary Clinton, Carly Fiorino, or Ben Carson on pantsuit politics. I think that's true. I, I have a feeling, a sneaking suspicion, that we will <laughs> return to the pantsuit inspiration as the time goes on. So the last segment of our podcast is The Heels. We're going to finish out the show and send you on your way with something not news or related pod- or politics related. We're just going to talk about something in our life that we love that's making our lives better, that we're enjoying. And Beth, I'm going to let you start. Yeah, so mine um, kind of, I think, attaches nicely to some of the discussion we were just having. I read, after Jennifer Lawrence's fantastic um, essay in Lenny, which I'm sure you read. Lenny should just be one. Subscribe to Lenny if you haven't. It's true. Subscribe to Lenny. So Jennifer Lawrence talks about pay 
disparities between women and men. And then after that, um, there were a couple of great articles written about women in the workplace and, and how women have to express themselves in the workplace. So I took from that this very simple technique of going through every email I write and before I hitting send, taking out the words I and just. Ooh. Never use the word just. Oh, I just and love limit. just so much. Though. I know, we all do, because just is like such a pillow for oh, our expression. I do, I love it. Let I love me just, just. soften, mm-hmm. you know? So no more just and very few eyes. And and what I've realized with editing my eyes out are all the places that I hedge my mm-hmm. own perspective. I think, I feel, mm-hmm. my sense of things is X. Um, and so now I'm just expressing like simple declarative thoughts mm-hmm. without apologizing for the fact that they originated with me. Well, my favorite is, I like to say, I'm going to push back a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> I say that in meetings a lot. I go, I'm going to push back with you just a little bit right there. Yeah. Why do we do that? You know, when I, when I compromise, I'm saying push, that's, that's not a pillow. That's pushing. I'm pushing. That's a thing. Yeah, but you're just pushing. I'm just pushing. A little bit. I'm just pushing know? a little bit. I'm going to and, push back And why a can't bit. we just do it? Why can't uh, we just ask the question? And that's what I'm finding with my emails. They are so much stronger but not insulting, not yeah. ugly. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with them when I eliminate those words. So that's my tip of the week that has uh, that has made me feel like more of a professional. Honestly, it makes me feel like a grown-up oh, I like to that. just make simple declarative statements. Well, I'll, I'll continue on with the email tips. This has nothing to do with women in the workplace. It just has to do with gaining more time. I shared this in my uh, weekly email, which is to use text shortcuts on your cell phone. Have you done this? Yes. It's life-changing. It. It's life-changing. It. Yeah. You use, you go into text. There's, I think it's under general. And then you go into, um, I think like typing or keyboard or something like that. And you can set up text shortcuts. So I have a text shortcut. My email address is stuart.holland at gmail.com. Not exactly short. Um, and all I have to do now is type SHG and my cell phone fills in my entire email address, which, oh my goodness. You don't realize how much you type your email address until you have to stop, until you are able to stop typing your email address. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure you, like me, are constantly trying to do things like that with one hand. Oh yeah. And so just being able to simplify what that one hand has to accomplish while the other is wrangling a child or dinner or whatever, it's fabulous. Okay. So those are the heels. We hope you've enjoyed this inaugural premiere first, all the fancy words of <laughs> pantsuit politics we will be back next week with a fresh perspective on today's news and politics thanks everyone thank you bye-bye this is pantsuit politics our intro interstitial and outro music is fourth and starlight road instrumental by minden and is licensed under a creative commons attribution non-commercial three point Oh, international license. Our producer is my amazing husband, Nicholas Holland, who has spent loads of time over the past week learning Audacity and helping us out. Thank you so much, Nicholas. We'll see you next week.